Good morning, Owasco First Assembly of God. How are we doing this morning? Has anyone experienced that it's hot? That it's hot outside? I just came back from Six Flags with students and no one was there, so we rode and we had a great time. Uh, but today I get to follow up Pastor, and I know he's in Bartlesville today, uh, but we're going to continue on in the book of Galatians. But I'd like to say this, I enjoy pastoring here at Owasso First Assembly of God. I've been doing this a long time. I get to hang out with students, and people ask me, well, do you still like it? I must. I went on Batman five times in a row on the front seat with students to go do that, and we had a, a great time. Um, I love our church. I love our students. I love the fact that we're reaching around the world, this Nicaragua clinic. If you'll pray with me, I want to go back there. Uh, it's my intention to be back there so I can see what we're doing there. Uh, I just believe God's doing something great in that country, and I like the fact that we go back into nowhere, that there's no running water, no electricity. I don't enjoy necessarily the drive, but I love the fact that we're reaching, that we're reaching the least and the lost. Uh, our students during the summer do something called Urban Soul because I believe God, God's word to us is to help the widows and to help the orphans. And I'm hoping and believing that I'm teaching and instructing our students in how to do that by actually physically doing that. And I know we've mentioned Day of Hope a bunch, but that's another day for you to come and experience that same thing, helping those who may just need a hand up. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm so honored to get to speak here. I speak every Wednesday night. It's really kind of rare that, that any of us speak on Sunday morning because pastor loves to preach, if you didn't know that. But today I get to continue on. But I'm going to pick up where pastor left off last week uh, at the first part of Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, there is a very significant verse in, in Galatians 3. It says this, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now part of the reason I know about Owasso First Assembly of God is because of Bible quiz. When I was 12 years, 12 years old, my mom started me down the path of doing Bible quiz. I was in Wyoming, and we memorized most of the book of Romans. That was the start point. That was the beginning point for me. So when I memorized the book of, of Romans, the thing was, it wasn't just memorization, it was also figuring out the important factors that come with the Bible and, and having knowledge that's gained from that. So in Romans, it also says the same thing. In 4.3, it says this, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But if you do a study on that, you have to go back to the Old Testament to find it. So you'd go back and, and you'd find this scripture. It's in Genesis 15, 6. It says this, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, how many know already out of scripture, I've given you three different places where this same thing is at. How many know if it, in scripture, it's at least repeated three times, it's significant. There's some significance in scripture where it's re repeated. As a matter of fact, James comes back and repeats it again in 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled. It says this, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. So here's the depth, here's the depth of this statement from the last part of pastor's message as, as we were getting here in Galatians chapter 3 was this significant moment is that Abraham believed God. Wasn't, wasn't, 
anything else. How's the connection with Owasso? How did, how did the Owasso connection happen off this, this Bible quiz thing? We quizzed against Owasso. I went to church in, in Muskogee, and we would quiz here, and that's how I got to know this church. That was my beginning introduction to the people that was here. Bruce Ralph was the youth pastor at that point in time, and we'd quiz. And so that was my connection. So when I look at things in Scripture, I'm like, okay, there's a connection. There's, there's a connector in the New Testament and the Old Testament about Abraham. And so the, the depth of this, the significance of this is how many times is it repeated? Why is it repeated? Because somewhere along the way, this grace that comes from God is repeated. Now you can search it out and you can find it a lot more times in Scripture, but very specifically, this is there. So, so what, where, where else is there also this multiple uh, times that it's repeated? Did you know this? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved is repeated from the Old Testament of Joel. 2.23, Acts 2.21, and Romans 10.13. So th there's this moment where you just go, there's some depth. So where Pastor was preaching last week, as we come into my part in Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, on to the end is this, is that Abraham believed God, and it was counted for, to him as righteousness, which righteousness means right living. It, it, that was the thing that made him right with God, was this belief moment. It wasn't something other than a belief. But here's what I like. I've been doing student ministry a super long time, so you have to give clear illustrations. You, you have to be able to give clear illustrations. How many with your kids, you had to finally get down to the clearest illustration you possibly could get so they'd understand what you were saying? How many of they still didn't get it, so you had to come up with another illustration? How many had to come up with the, the third illustration to finally get it where they understood what you were saying? So the the significant thing is that Paul comes to the next part of it in 3:15 through 18 he says this dear brothers and sisters here's an example from everyday life just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement so it is in this case God gave the promise to Abraham and his child and notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as it is meant many descendants rather it says to his child and that of course means Christ so Paul just comes back with this great illustration. I don't know about you, but my grandmother had a trust. And part of my helping her was that I read her trust. I flew out and helped her. She lived in Yuma, Arizona. But one of my heroes, one of my mentors, Frank Knapp, is who set up that trust. He set up the trust in case something happened to him and my grandmother was left by herself. He did such a good job in setting it up, and he was so specific in every single thing there that the directives of it took care of her to the end of her life because he passed earlier than she did. And that trust, was the, it was the guiding path for what to do. When my grandmother passed away, my mom had that trust in hand, and it spelled out exactly what to do. It was irrevocable. The only person that could change that trust was Frank Knapp. So what did I do? I got with Holly and, and said, can I set up a trust? Holly Sunoka is the lawyer. And I said, can I set up a trust just like that? Why? Because I saw a pattern of that that helped my parents at the end of life to take care of things. And Paul says, here is an illustration that's really simple to follow. It's like a trust that can't be changed. Well, guess what? When God is the one who's setting it up, it can't be changed. 
It can't be changed by someone else's opinion. It can't be changed by someone else's thoughts. God's the one who is the, the originator of this trust. He's the one who created this moment. Here, here's the thing. Life has a promise from God. It's not going to be canceled and it's not going to be revoked because other people have opinions about it. It's God who is the one who sets this up. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham cannot be canceled. 430 years later, when God gave the law to Moses, God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Russell just sang about it this morning. How many of you are thankful for God's grace? Because I can't meet up. I can't match up. I can't work up. I can't do enough to meet what he's able to give me. So laws and rules. Have you ever set any laws or rules at your house? Anyone ever done that? Okay. If you hung out with me at all as a youth pastor, I know we got lots of students. And what's cool is I have second generation students who are back. So their parents have hung out with me and now they're with me. But I have one rule. I have one hard, fast rule. No guys in girls' rooms, no girls in guys' rooms. For obvious reason, okay? And, and the consequence of that is, no matter where we're at, whatever trip we're on, whatever's going on, if that's what you choose to do, you're going home with your parents. If we're five hours away and you have to ride home with your parents, you've just punished yourself the worst you possibly could ever. Because <laughs> they're not going to not talk to you for five hours in the car, Okay? So that's my one rule. Now listen, though, that doesn't mean I don't have a ton of expectations when you travel with me or you hang out with us, but I just decided a long time ago I can't have 50 rules and try and have students try and meet those 50 rules, but I can give a lot of expectations, but I have to have a hard and fast rule. And so here's the thing. The law was given as boundaries. God gave it to us to make it until Christ came. Something to live Within. How many of you ever driven on a road that you were very happy that it had guardrails on it? I've got certain students in this room that if you drive close to the edge, they like freak out. If there's not guardrails and they're looking straight down, they like can't look. They like start freaking out in the seat. So it's kind of enjoyable for me. <laughs> Part of that comes from my upbringing, I drove with Paul Abner across the country of Jamaica when I was a 16-year-old, and these bauxite trucks would come by us, and there was no guardrails anywhere in Jamaica, and we were filled with the Holy Spirit. We were saved multiple times as part of our van hung off the edge and looking straight down, so uh, I experienced that moment, but the best part of, of any road is the boundaries that keep you safe, that keep you within the road, and it keeps you safe how to live. It isn't how to be righteous because you can't earn that within boundaries, but how to live. Guidelines to live within. That's why God gave us the law. How many of you make rules for your kids? How many make boundaries for your kids? How many you set up things to live within? And when they break it, there's a consequence to it, but it's to hopefully guide them in the right path to take. It's to ho hopefully take them, down the right, take them down the right way. But here's the question I have for you. Do the rules make them your kids? We try and give them boundaries, we try and give them rules, we try and do that, but relationship, relationship is what makes them your kids. And birth, and so spiritual birth. I'll, I'll ask this question to you, have you had a spiritual birth? 
Because part of all this applying to you has to do with having a spiritual birth. That's accepting Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repeats it multiple times in Scripture. Why? Because Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. We continue reading. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So here's my question. What do you believe? When I was studying at Oral Roberts University, I had a professor that gave us assigned us books to read. And they were on Christology. Christology is the branch of Christian theology relating to the person, nature, and role of Jesus Christ. So here's my question for you. What is your Christology? How to explain who Jesus is. Dr. Dorries, he, he wrote about Edmund Edward Irving's incarnational Christology. That was one of the first books I had to read. And as I'm reading through it, he's explaining about somebody else's belief about Christ. He wrote his whole dissertation on it. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty interesting. And then I come around to, to Dr. Dory's book, Spirit-Filled Christology. How does the Holy Spirit help me to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ? So I studied his Christology as, as well. And, and one of the things that I picked up is on, on this incarnational part of it was from Dr. Thompson Matthew. He pointed out that we get to be a representative of Jesus and we get to be the incarnational Jesus to people. And so his theology, so I've got all this different theology at me and all this different Christology coming at me. And what is my view on Christ? Here's the, the amazing thing about Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. His Christology stayed the same. Christ is the answer. Christ is the source. Christ is the bottom line. And if you read all the way through the different parts of the New Testament that he wrote, he stayed on task constantly. His Christology was Jesus is. He is the answer. And so when I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm going, okay, how, how do we develop this idea, this belief? Because how many of you ever met someone that had some really way out there beliefs? How many of you just listen to them and go, how did they get here? And then you go, what church did they go to? Or they've never been to a church. They've just watched TV and picked up some theology that's all over the place. So here's a couple of different people on this Christology thing. Dietrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote a book called The, the Cost of Discipleship and was martyred as one of the Third Reich's worst enemies had a Christology of this, religionless Christianity. His viewpoint was opposite of being able to achieve or attain anything by human effort, but by believing in God. This is from the, the, the book, The Story of Christianity. And when I'm reading about him, he was just like, you could stay safe here, or you could let your belief be right in harm's way. And he made the choice to let his belief be right in harm's way because his Christianity was, it's religionless. It's not about religion. It's not about all these things. It's about really truly believing in Christ. Remember the same thing? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. 
Dr. Dory's in his book, Spirit-Filled Christology, writes this. Do not confuse the faith that appropriates salvation with a human work considered necessary to be performed in exchange for salvation. If any work, even faith, is regarded as a human requirement for salvation, then salvation ceases to be a gift from God and can no longer be attributed to the graciousness of God. Puts a really strong warning out there. How many know Paul wrote that consistently through as well? Nothing else replaces the grace of Jesus Christ. Boundaries do not give us life. Law does not give us life. But it does keep us on the right track for right living. So here's, here's my thought, and I want to continue on with the scripture this morning. For you are all children of God through faith. Say it with me. You're all children of God through faith. Oh, wait. You sound like, like the first time I try it in new service. Okay. Are, are you ready? You ready? Prepared? For you're all children of God through faith. Did I say the word works? Did I say actions? Did I say obedience? Did I, did I say any of those things? It's, there's, just no way, there's just no way to get there. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promised Abraham belongs to you. Wait, did that list sound pretty inclusive in this room? Did it sound like it included everyone in this room? So here's what Paul was looking at, and here's what Paul was fighting in the moment, was this, this mindset. Remember someone had set out, someone had told the, the Jews and had told everybody, you have, to, you have to meet these certain lists, you have to, you have to hit these certain rules, you have, to, you have to do these certain things, and Paul's coming back going, no, no, no. No, we're going to do this through grace. We're going to do it through belief. We're going to do it through faith. And as he's building this foundation, he's like, God's the one who created it. Remember, he's the one who created this trust. Here's an easy illustration. He's the one who created this for us. So what are we going to do? Are we going to follow what some other person is teaching? Or are we going to come back to the fact that God is the one who originated this whole thing? Now, I mentioned a minute ago, you got people who have all kinds of different theology. They're all over the place. They're all over the map. Here, here's the thing. What kind of mindset do you have? Dr. Carol Dweck wrote a book about mindset. And she asked this question. She posed this question. Do you have a fixed mindset or do you have a growth mindset? And and as Paul is looking at this, he's going, wait a minute. Y'all are stuck in the path. You're stuck somewhere else. You're, you're going back to, you're, come on, come on. We've got to have a, an idea that Jesus came, and he didn't come to, to get rid of the law, but he came to fulfill the law. 
and through that we receive grace and through belief. Now remember, Abraham's from the Old Testament period of time, so Abraham believed God, so it translates to the New Testament time that it's through belief in God that we're able to have salvation. It's not through anything else, and it's a mindset. But Paul's fighting this mindset, this fixed mindset that you go back to what you can control instead of what God controls. Rules or faith? How do you view it? His argument against the mindset that was fixed was this, that confusion came from those trying to impose this other standard, this, this other idea, instead of Jesus being the, the author and finisher of grace and of faith, that there was something else you had to do. So here's my question for you today is this. If you haven't accepted Christ, you haven't called on the name of the Lord, and you look at it and say, I've got to do, I've got to do all these things, I've got to meet all these things, can I set you free from that today with this mindset that Jesus is the one who brings you the ability to be saved, not you? It, it, it's his grace, and it's offered to us. And here's the great thing, is that it's offered to us freely. How many of you like being loved in this room? How many like being loved? I think all of us like being loved. How many of you like being loved by someone else other than yourself? Okay, because we're all pretty good at loving ourselves, right? But, but we're looking for relationships. Part of doing student ministry. Listen, part of doing student ministry for as long as I have is that there's going to be relationships. How many know with relationships there comes drama? This is a secret. Adults don't outgrow drama. But it starts there. It, it starts in this moment that there's drama, that there's lots of stuff that goes on, but it usually has to do with love and it usually has to do with relationships. Well, she likes me. He likes me. How do you know? I got a note. Even better than that. Hold on. Even better than that. Uh, my friend sent me over here to tell you. And then the best one is, my friend sent me over to ask you. Okay? As I look around the room, somehow, someway, your relationship started in this room. Some of you probably have some pretty silly stories of how the circumstances happened and, and what went on. And so, as I was thinking about this today... In, in this concluding few moments here is this. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. It's in a relationship with him. And he just puts out the first note of relationship. He just says, here, I'm going to give you the relationship. I'm going to hand it to you. Instead of there being things you have to work up to or you have to fulfill, you have to make it, you have to, you, 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 you. He said, I will do this for you. Why did he do it? Why did he give his grace to us? It's because he loved us, because he created us. He created us. He created you. He created you to have a relationship with you. And what was his mind, mindset? What, would, what was God's mindset? His mindset was this, is that he loves you so much, he is going to build a relationship with you. 
and it's going to involve and include growth. You're not a robot, by the way. You're a person. Anyone here ever changed your mind? Okay, anyone here ever changed your mind? Wait, have you ever changed your mind and then you changed your mind again? Okay, just, just check and make sure. Anyone here ever change your mind like five times in a row within about ten minutes? How many it frustrates the fire out of your, your, your like, spouse? How many it frustrates your employer because <laughs> you changed your mind five times? And, and, that, and what I've discovered is this. Some of you who walked in the room and you had a fixed mindset when you walked in, and hopefully in a couple of minutes here I've helped at least open your mind up that Jesus came to seek and to save you, and if your mindset is different than what Scripture gives us, then today would you change your mind? Because here's the truth. The only person that can really truly change your mind is you. Anyone ever tried to change the mindset, the thought process of your spouse in this room? No one's brave enough to raise their hand. How many of you have ever tried it? How many of you ever tried it and failed miserably? Now, how many of you did this? How many of you went back again and you've tried it more times? It just, it just didn't work. It just, but isn't it amazing when they decide to change their mind, they can change their mind in an instant, and then all of a sudden they comply with what you're wanting them to do. You're like, why didn't you do that earlier? It would have saved us a lot of grief. It would have saved us a lot of work if you'd have done that. And, and here's the thing. With Jesus today, what if you were to change your mindset that he loves you and that he wants you to be his child? What if you were just to flip the switch and say, you know what, I'm going to believe that today. It's going to be the same thing that Abraham did. It'll be counted to you as righteousness. I'm going to end with this today. I've read a lot of things in the last five or six years. And one of the books that I had picked up to read because it intrigued me was a book about nuns, not about as in the habit nuns, but people who identify as none. They don't have an identifier. And how many of you know right now we are living in a time and an age where people don't want to be identified by any stereotype or they don't want to have any, any parameters placed on themselves. As a matter of fact, it's actually affected applications. It's affected everything in our world at this moment. And that was a few years ago that I read this book. Uh, we are in an identity, we're in a day of identity crisis. But isn't it interesting right here at the end of Galatians chapter 3 that Paul already addressed the fact that Christ's promise is for everyone. There is, verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Isn't it crazy when our world wants to misidentify or change identity that Paul in his writing about Christ said, you know what, he's all-inclusive. How many know that Satan is the author of confusion? He's the one who wants to bring confusion into this day and time and into this world. And he's pretty good at that job of bringing confusion. But here's what I know, is that even in the midst of confusion, 
Jesus already had a plan for this moment of confusion as Paul wrote about it and said, hey, all of you, all, all, all of you, all, all. This morning, if you're kind of confused, and you're like, I'm, I'm not sure who, what, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, okay, that's fine. Because you know what? Jesus is ready to accept you. Just as you are as you walked in the door today. Why? Because he loves you. So here's my questions for you today. How about you today? What's your mindset? Would you be open to growth today? Would you be open to letting Christ do something new in you, with you, through you today? What about this? What, what's your Christology? Is it religionless Christianity? Is it being incarnational? Is it being Jesus represented to people around you? I, I believe Jesus sends us to be his presence with other people. That his, his presence shows up in the room when you show up in the room because your love expresses his love for people. So today, maybe that's, maybe you need to change your mindset. Maybe you have a fixed mindset about somebody. You just identified them and said they're hopeless. And maybe today you need to reevaluate and go, maybe they're not hopeless because Christ's grace is for everybody. And if I can just be the incarnational presence of Jesus to them maybe one more time and they feel the love of Jesus, maybe they will change their own mind. What about this? What is your theology? What do you believe? Are you going with everything that you hear off the news, off Facebook, off Instagram, off whatever social media platform? Are you going with what all that is? Or do you have a theology about who Jesus is for you? And last, what is your foundation? If it's repeated multiple times in Scripture, I would encourage you to hold on to those words. I love the ending there. Uh, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he became, or he was, a friend of God. If there's an identification mark that I want on me as a pastor, as a believer, as a youth pastor, is this, is that I've been a friend of God. And the same thing that he's interested in I'm interested in. I've become interested in. So here's the question. Will you place your faith in Christ? And we receive as a free gift His grace because there's no way to earn it. There's no way to put it into practice except this, to believe in Him. I want you to stand with me this morning. All across the room, if you'll stand. In youth service, I still give an altar call, an opportunity for response, because I believe this, that if you're given an opportunity to respond to the gospel, there's a possibility that you might. 
And this morning as we've looked at this end of Galatians chapter 3, it's for everyone. So that means every single person in this room, however you identify, it's for you. The gospel is for you. The good news is for you. Whether you feel like you're a nun, whether you feel like you, you don't fit into any of the categories, well, here's the thing. Here's the good news for you is that Jesus is here for you no matter what your identification is. Some of you today may be confused. Some of you may have come with a friend. Some of you may this be the first time you've ever been here. And, and today, I just believe this. This is, a, this is a holy moment for you to intersect, to intersect with a God who loves you. Maybe some of you in the room, your theology is, well, it's kind of hopeless. Would, would you change your theology today and go, it's not hopeless. I might actually be the incarnational presence of Jesus to someone that at my work or that I interact with. I, I might be that person that would let someone come to find hope in God. So last question is this. If you need to change your mind, would you change your mind today? It's a major step. It's a major step to change your mind. Why? Because pride. Anyone here ever dealt with pride? Huh? Ever, ever dealt with pride? Ever not done something because you're worried or concerned about what someone else is going to think? Someone else's opinion? Well, this morning, that's why I'm going to have you bow your head for a moment so no one else is looking so you can have your moment of privacy. But here is my question to you this morning. If you haven't called on the name of the Lord to be saved, if you haven't done that, this morning there is no better time. There's no better time to do that than this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out, but I am asking you to do this, to respond, because response is part of action. Response is part of changing your mindset. So this morning, if you came into this room and you haven't accepted, you haven't called on the name of the Lord, you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, would you just simply slide your hand up if you'd like to accept him? You're like, Kevin, this, this amazing God you're talking about that created this trust for me in advance to say he loves me, to prepare for me. If, if that's you today, would you just simply slip your hand up in the room and just say, Kevin, as you've been talking, you're speaking to me. Anyone across the room, you just say, man, that's me this morning. Anyone here this morning, you'd respond back to that. Okay? Let me pray for you this morning. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that it's sufficient. I thank you that it's all in all. And today I pray for every person in this room that their mind would be to follow you that they would choose, Lord God, with everything they have to follow you and to live for you. Jesus, forgive today of sin. When you forgive of sin, we believe that you, and it's through belief, God, that we believe that you save us. We confess that we're sinners, and God, we choose to accept you in our life, and we declare that you're the Lord of our life. And God, I pray today in this space, I pray in this space, Father, those who would have a, a change of mindset, a change of heart, God, that they would follow you. And God, I pray for everyone else in the room here today. 
Father, that you'd give them a moment to share their faith with someone else, to share this good news with someone else, that they'd be the incarnational presence of Jesus to someone else. And, Father, as they do that, that there would be life change. God, we love you today, and I thank you so much for your grace and your goodness. And, God, we believe you today. God, we believe in you just like Abraham believed you. And, Father, we know that you count that toward us as righteousness. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen. We're going to sing a song to conclude today. If you're here today, even if you're joining us online today, and you're like, you know what? I've made a decision that I need to follow Christ. Would you get connected with us as soon as service is out? You can do it on our app or you can do it online. But we, we have some things that would help you move further along in your relationship with Jesus. The Bible and some things and steps to take. If you'd see us right out in the lobby this morning, we'd be happy to do that. If you'd like prayer today, if you'll stop any, uh, any of our pastors, any of the people out front in our greeting area, if you'd like prayer today, we'd be happy to pray with you. God bless and thanks for letting me share with you this morning.